I'm Danielle. And I'm Christy. And you are listening to Snacks with Stein. Let's do it. to my officially unofficial Good Riddance to Summer episode. It is show number 20, which I cannot believe. It does seem weird. Right? Feels like we just started yesterday. (laughs) It truly feels like we haven't been doing this very long to have 20 shows. So I just want to say thanks to everyone who has so far made this possible, which is all of our patrons, our Facebook group members, and our loving families who deal with us recording every so often and making them be quiet. We're having a lot of fun, and we hope you are too, and we hope to have more than 20 episodes, 40 episodes. Let's go <laughs> to 40. Next, let's go to 40. <laughs> so this is Snacks with Stein, episode 20, and it's the horror at Camp Jelly Jam, which is one of my favorites, and I think it's a popular one, I want to say so. I'm completely unfamiliar. Unfamiliar. Well, hopefully you enjoy it. Yes. So before we get into our next book, we have another Patreon toast, which is fantastic, and even more fantastic, it's a fellow Danielle. So Danielle... I'm not going to pronounce her last name correctly, but I want to say it's Iwane or Iwani. So Danielle Iwani, I'm very sorry if I butchered your last name. She has joined Team Fear Street. So that's two in a row for Miss Fear Street now. And here is your toast. So everyone raise a glass and let's toast to Danielle. Thank you for supporting the show this summer, even when it's hot, which is a total bummer. May your autumn be blessed and your skeletons be dressed, and may you never need to hire a lawyer or a plumber. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you. Christy, what snacks are you having tonight? Okay, so I'm having, yesterday was my birthday, and my family put out a spread for me for lunch with, like, crackers and cheese and, like, a cheese ball and, like, different kinds of, like, little meats. So that's what I'm having. I'm having, like, a little kind of salad plate with, like, just cheese and crackers um, and a glass of wine. I saw the picture on Facebook, and it looked beautiful. So your family did a wonderful job. They really, really did. Like, that is something, that's a special thing that we do. Um, Usually that's reserved for decorating the Christmas tree. Like, we will buy a head and buy the fancy cheeses at the cheese counter. And, like, usually we put something pickled down with it. And what's Mm -hmm. a weird combination that's really, really good, pro tip, if you have, like, a cracker and then, like like, a good fancy cheese, there's that, like, a blackberry jalapeno jelly. Oh, and if you put just a tiny dollop of that on top of your little cheese cracker tower, it's amazing. <laughs> and those are things that probably shouldn't go together, but they taste really good. Okay, so you enjoy your cheese ball. 
And I'm going <laughs> to tell, tell you about Camp Jelly Jam. Tell me all about it. Let's get into it. What's that cover look like? I'm going to post in the Facebook group, like I was saying, because it's kind of harder to describe. But it's a really creepy looking dude. He is wearing typical un- counselor uniform, t-shirt, shorts, whistle, baseball hat. But he has bulbous eyes and a mouth with at least like, I don't even know how many teeth. Like it's just a scary, scary smile. He's creeptastic and we don't like him. Tagline for this book is tennis, ping pong, monsters, anyone? The Open Road. Hours and hours of nothing but God's green earth. Sounds like a blast, right? Not. Mom, Dad, and younger brother Elliot are pointing out every sheep and cow they spot, and Wendy is going to explode from boredom. Twelve is way too old for a long car trip. They were on their first family vacation in three years, and Mom is not amused by the sass coming from the backseat. The car enters the mountainous region up ahead, and the trailer hitched to the back makes a loud bump. Wendy and Elliot get back to their complaining and lamenting about how they wanted to go to sleepaway camp and baseball camp this summer, and mom just says they'll go next summer. Boredom ensues, a lazy game of car geography is played, and Wendy suddenly gets the bright idea to ask her parents to let them ride in the trailer for a little while. This doesn't sound legal at all, but what the hell, it's the 90s and the parental units give in. And that is when all of the trouble began. Do you like road trips? Are you a road trip person? No, Um, No. negative. (laughs) So uh, I've said before, you know, I'm, I'm the baby of five. I have two brothers and two sisters. Even if we had money, I don't think that my parents would be buying seven plane tickets anywhere. <laughs> so whenever we went places, we had a drive. Oh, true. And we always ended up going to see my mother's parents, my grandparents in Alabama, which was like a 13 hour drive. And we usually drove it straight through. And in my parents' credit, they did drive most of it at night. So we didn't have to deal with a lot of things. Being in a small space with your four siblings, for that amount of time, it's not, it's not bueno. So Wendy and Elliot are now in the trailer, which is not really, I wouldn't think it's a trailer you should ride in. I don't know. It doesn't sound like an RV type of thing to me that you could get in and sit in. It seems more like it's just rickety hitched up to the back of this SUV like car, but they're sitting in it and they're passing the time arm wrestling. And for Elliot, there is no such thing as just a game. Everything to him is life or death. So the competition is getting heated, and Wendy challenges him to one last match. But she lets him win because he was straining so hard his head might explode. The trailer is rocking back and forth and swaying with every bump in the road. But this time, it lurched so hard that Elliot went crashing into the wall. Wendy is holding on to the table to keep doing the same, and they literally have no idea what is going on. 
Then they realize, oh, it's probably mom driving. Wow. So we're just going to have some sexism today that mom is a bad driver. Throw mom under the bus. It's fine. Throwing mom under the bus. But then Wendy starts to notice that they're going backwards. She gets herself to the window and sees that the car is gone. The trailer was rolling downhill, and the kids are bouncing around inside like soccer balls. Trees were rushing past them in blurs of green and brown, and Wendy is certain they are going to crash and die. The trailer... Brace for impact. (laughs) Right. The trailer doesn't curve with the road. Instead, it goes straight into the line of trees. They are bracing for the crash, but it doesn't come. Instead, the trailer had come to a dead stop, but it was tilting upward. So to get out, they had to climb to the back door. But Wendy hears a knocking, and they both assume that it's their parents, and they were saved. Wendy opens the door and is staring into the face of a blonde man. His blue eyes were glimmering in the sunlight. He was wearing a bright white t-shirt with matching white shorts and a button that read, only the best. Wendy stammers out a hi, and he smiles back with what seemed like 2,000 shiny white teeth. He introduces himself as Buddy and asks if they are okay. And all things considered, they are, but they're very shaken up. They look around for mom and dad, but they are nowhere to be found. And Wendy can't see the highway through the trees. She notices the tire tracks and somehow the trailer went straight through a clearing and came to a stop at the foot of a sloping hill. Buddy declares that they were very, very lucky and tells them to turn around and check out where they landed. Up the hill is a wide open clearing between the trees, and there is a huge red and white banner stretched between two poles. It read, King Jelly Jam's Sports Camp. Buddy flashes a smile and tells them that the camp is on the other side of the hill and to follow him. But both Wendy and Elliot are concerned that their parents won't be able to find them. Maybe they should leave a note? But Buddy insists that he'll take care of it and to just enjoy the camp until they can reconnect. And as they get closer, Wendy hears kids' voices laughing and shouting, and Buddy goes on to tell them more about the camp. They have everything from ping pong to football to swimming, and even a marbles tournament. He points out the dorms and explains they can hang there while they wait for their parents. Elliot asks Buddy if anyone can join in the baseball games, and he says, the only rule at King Jelly Jam's sport camp is to try hard. And he taps his only the best button. Then Wendy. (laughs) Yeah, I I gotta say, like, there's no way that we're gonna get all the way through this episode. Like, he's he's gonna be Gary Granger. (laughs) <laughs> to me the whole time I'm going to see Gary and I'm going to see Becky Martin Granger because <laughs> that's what being privileged is all about <laughs> Wendy suddenly notices a little girl 
peer out from behind a tree trunk. She had bright red hair and freckles and whispered kind of loudly, hey, don't come in here. Run away, don't come in. So Wendy looks back again, but the girl had vanished. What a weirdo. Did she just hide there and scare people? But thoughts of the girl left Wendy's mind as soon as she saw all of the sports and activities going on around her. All of the counselors are dressed in white from head to toe, all of them good looking and with beaming smiles. They pass little signs with the camp slogan and the little purple blob mascot that is King Jelly Jam. Wendy is starting to like everything about this place and thinks maybe it wouldn't be so bad if mom and dad didn't find them for a day or two. This is way better than sitting in a car counting fucking cows. So Buddy drops off Elliot at the boys' dorm and walks Wendy to the girls' dorm. They chat along the way and she asks Buddy where he was from. He gets the strangest look on his face. He doesn't even know. He forgot. He has no memory of where he's from. Are we just not going to talk about how this is kidnapping? <laughs> okay, buddy. It's sports camp. <laughs> Same damn thing. Um, yeah, no. Kids. 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 Like, I, I get that they're, I get we need a story, but this, I mean, this could be like a ring. Please. Yep. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay, buddy. Here we go. Okay, buddy. <laughs> Buddy has no memory of where he's from, which is really strange. And he's clearly upset by this realization that he can't remember. And Wendy tries to brush it off, but before she gets a chance, he introduces her to Holly. So this is where I remember our Fear Street books because Holly has straight black hair and bright purple lipstick. <laughs> oh my God. It is a fetish for him. I he guarantee you. It is. Yep. So, so if we ever bright. go to meet Mr. Robert Stein, <laughs> both of us are wearing purple lips. Absolutely. Buddy and Holly say only the best to each other, and she takes Wendy into the dorm. It's completely white. The walls, the chairs, the doors. And she has to squint because the sun is making it so bright inside. She asks if she has any roommates, and Holly says she'll meet them later. They're probably playing soccer down on the field, and she'll probably like Deirdre. They're the same age. Then she just takes off, leaving Wendy completely alone. What the hell is she supposed to do now? She doesn't have a uniform. She doesn't have a swimsuit. She's just like, what the hell am I supposed to do? Then she hears excited whispers from outside of the door. Was it her roommates coming back? Come on, we've got her trapped. Let's get her. And so I said, this is a cult and you got to go. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. We walked into a very confusing situation because mm -hmm. summer camps are expensive. They're not just like inviting kids to live there. They're inviting kids to live there. They just leave them alone. They're just like, bye. You're part of the camp now. <laughs> They're going to be the sacrifice. Right. Wicker Man situation, and you're going to be right. sacrificed to the bees later. I mean, everybody's wearing white. <laughs> it very well could be. Wendy searches for a place to hide, but there was no time. Three girls burst through the door with menacing sneers on their faces, making a line and approaching Wendy. 
She holds her hands up to protect herself from their attack, but they all start to laugh. They introduce themselves as Deirdre, Ivy, and Jan. Deirdre instructs them to get changed. They're going to be late for the four-lap swimming race. So the girls go off in search of swimsuits, and Deirdre asks Wendy if she is coming, but she explains she doesn't have a suit or anything like that. So Deirdre offers one of her extras, but Wendy says she thinks she'll just have a nice swim to cool off and compete another time. All three girls look at her as if she has grown a second head. What do you mean not compete? You have to compete. And just like the counselors, they start repeating only the best to each other. Wendy doesn't seem to have a choice in the matter, but she is full of questions. Why do they keep saying that? And what does it mean? I'll tell you what it means. Last place gets eaten. <clears throat> they're they're going to cook and eat and feed the last place <laughs> person to everybody else at camp. So nobody, We're gonna find only, out. The only the best. Only the best. <laughs> <laughs> I want a t-shirt that says that. Only the best. <laughs> <laughs> The enormous Olympic-sized swimming pool was sparkling in the hot sun, and Wendy couldn't wait to get in and cool off. There are a dozen girls entering the race, and the pool was so big, they each had their own lane. All of the counselors at the pool were young women in matching white suits. She spotted Holly at the other end of the pool, but didn't see Buddy or Elliot. She wondered what he might be up to. A red-haired counselor blows a whistle, and everyone is ready to race. Wendy jumps in and pushes off the wall to a great start. She notices that she was winning, and everyone else was falling behind. She'd be done with the first lap in no time. Then it dawns on her. Oh shit. There are still three more laps. All the other girls are pacing themselves, and she is going to tire out before she can finish. So she changes her game plan, and starts to do methodical robot-like strokes, and she catches sight of Deirdre. She can tell how much she wants to win, but Wendy starts to think, maybe I can win. Maybe I can beat her. Ignoring all of the aches and pains and the pounding in her chest, she presses on, and more girls begin to fall behind. Wendy pulls up next to Deirdre, and her face is tight with concentration. She's just like Elliot. She has to win. And even though she knows she could beat her, she lets Deirdre take this one because it means too much to her. The race was over and the other girls had all formed a circle around Deirdre. Wendy is so tired, she can barely pull herself out of the pool. The redheaded counselor hands something shiny to Deirdre and Wendy pushes through the crowd to get a better look. It was a shiny gold coin with an engraving of King Jelly Jam. Deirdre declares it was her fifth king coin, and she only needs one more to join the winner's walk. But before Wendy has a chance to ask what that is, she hears someone calling her name. It was Holly, and she had a fearful expression on her face. She tells Wendy that they have a problem. Because she's the blood sacrifice? <laughs> and then she gets eaten. <laughs> The, the end. end. <laughs> yeah, no, so. this is su super culty. Yeah, very culty. <laughs> we are in a cult. 
what's that saying from uh, what's that? Good oh, one? you're in a cult. Call your dad. Yeah, you're in a cult. Call your dad. <laughs> <laughs> so her first thought is that something terrible must have happened to mom and dad. So she begins to cry and asks Holly what happened. What is wrong? Was it her parents? Was it Elliot? But she tells her that they haven't found her parents yet and guides her to a bench by the pool. Holly was watching her during the race. And the problem is that she didn't try her best to win. Wendy tries to explain herself, but Holly asks if she remembers the camp slogan. Duh, it's everywhere she looks. But what does it even mean? Holly explains that it's kind of a warning, but doesn't say anything more and just leaves Wendy behind again, more confused than ever before. <laughs> She's just like, bye. <laughs> it's it's a kind of a warning. Okay, bye. <laughs> Gotta go. Wow. Drums pick up in the distance. <laughs> yep. It's all over. What could the warning be about? Wendy starts to walk back to the dorms to change, and she thinks that she doesn't really have to love this camp. Who cares about winning coins? Why can't she just play a game and have fun? Then she looks up and sees Elliot, on the ground and unconscious. Wendy races over to her brother and lets out a wail. Then he sits up, smiling from ear to ear. She fell for his stupid trick again. He always loves it when he makes her look like a jerk. He asked her to come watch him play ping pong. He is about to beat this other kid, Jeff, and get a king coin. He wants to collect six to do the winner's walk before their parents come. Wendy says no, she's soaking wet and wants to go change, but he insists and so she begrudgingly follows. She had pictured his opponent to be some shrimpy kid, but Jeff was at least twice the size of Elliot with bulging muscles. He was going to lose. But the game was tied at 19 and Elliot was getting into his intense phase and she knew he would never win if he was trying this hard. So she did their signal for him to calm down, which was a loud whistle. Elliot knew right away what it meant. He changed his game and he won. Buddy had been watching and tells Wendy that he really likes her brother. He's super intense and really good and hands him his first king coin. Also, she gets- she's got her brother trained like a dog. <laughs> I did think that was weird. Like, I was like, what? But <laughs> I mean, I it's know. one thing to like have a signal and like coping mechanisms if you have <laughs> trouble with certain things. But like, I don't know that a whistle is where the way I would go. <laughs> Like, because it's truly, it's like a dog. Mm -hmm. He hands him his coin, which Wendy gets a better look at and still doesn't understand the appeal of these things and the purple blob of a mascot. They all part ways as Elliot goes off to find another sport and more king coins. But Wendy hears a low rumble and the ground starts to shake. It's an earthquake. Her knees buckle and she tries to keep her balance. She yells again to get everyone's attention and Buddy rushes over, over, assuring her that it's okay. It happens once or twice a day. No big deal. (laughs) Sounds good. There's a volcano nearby and we're going to throw you guys in it later. But right now, don't worry about it at all. (laughs) Don't worry about it. 
all good. No one's called your parents. It's fine. (laughs) So she looks around and realizes that nobody has batted an eye. All the games were still going as if nothing had happened. She asks Buddy why they happen, but he has no idea and just jogs off to watch a kickball game. Wendy makes her way back to the dorm where Jan and Ivy are dressed for tennis. They ask her to come join their match and she has to agree since she couldn't get a word in edgewise. She just keeps reminding herself that mom and dad are coming soon and she'll be free of this weird ass place. And it dawns on her. I should call home. Dad, (laughs) call your dad. Call your dad. You are in a cold camp. You are in my personal hell because they're going to make you play sports. This is The whole time. The whole time. (laughs) Bitch, you are in hell. Call your dad. (laughs) They died and this is. (laughs) Oh, that would be a good twist. Yes. (laughs) The brother's in heaven because he was the better kid and loves sports and she's in hell because she hates them. Right? What kind of what kind of message are we sending? No, no. Sports are ills. Dad always checks their answering machine, even when they aren't at home. So they'll get the message and find them. She starts searching high and low for a payphone or a lobby phone, but there's nothing in sight. Starts to feel a little panicked. Then she finally spots a bank of phones across the road. She picks up the receiver to dial when someone demands her to get off the phone. She spun around to find Deirdre, who had to tell her the great news. She got her sixth king coin, and she was going to be in the winner's walk that night. Wendy feigns some excitement, and they get to talking about what activities they have been up to. She tells Deirdre that she hadn't won any king coins yet which she could just not believe and tells her she better get going. Only the best, remember? Deirdre suggests that they have a party in their room after the walk tonight and whoever sees Ivy and Jan first will spread the word and she races off. Wendy notices that she was actually smiling for the first time all day. Deirdre's excitement had gotten her excited and she was going to give this place a fighting chance. She was going to win the tennis tournament tomorrow. Later that night, all of the campers were gathered in the mess hall for dinner, and the room was full of loud voices and stories of the day. After dinner, the counselors took everyone down to the running track. Wendy searches for Elliot in the crowd, but she can't spot him. The night was warm and clear with a purple twilight sky. As soon as it got dark, Wendy spotted flickering lights in the distance. It was a pair of counselors holding torches and a blaring trumpet got all of their attention. Jan is standing next to Wendy and she tries to spark conversation, but Jan just tells her to shut up. This is a big deal. And then a drum roll sounds. It was all trumpets and drums over the loudspeaker. More lights appear in the distance, and then she sees the faces. It was all of the kids who had gotten their sixth king coin that day. The coins were hanging from around their necks, giving them all this heavenly golden glow. The girls spot Deirdre, and they wave and cheer, but she doesn't notice them. A counselor's voice rings out over the loudspeaker. 
to give it up for everyone taking the winner's walk tonight. And in a call and response, the whole camp shouts, only the best. And that ended the ceremony. Everyone heads off to their dorms for lights out. What? Nothing happened. Nope. They took their little walk. And that was it. They walked around? (laughs) They walked around. That was their winner's walk. They won and they walked. The end. This is a this is a people farm. Like <laughs> they're instead of fattening them up, they're like muscling them up. Maybe oh. that's a better cut of meat because they're gonna sell them <laughs> for food. I don't like. I'm very confused. They yeah. they literally walked around and they're like, "All right, everybody, fuck off." Yep. They're like, "Go back to your door and see ya." Be like that was truly a tremendous walk, and but it couldn't have been a surprise to the girl that like got to do the walk, no, because she wanted to do it. Right, she they all want to do it. It's basically just you go out there, you have your coins, and you go, "I'm awesome," and then you're done. Okay. So remember that feeling that you had when like all the survivors walked into Terminus. <laughs> I'm I'm feeling that. Yes. So Ivy is waiting back at their room, and for their party, they have two bags of tortilla chips and two cans of Diet Coke. Basically, it's a rager. It's it's crazy. I was going to say, sounds pretty good to me. (laughs) (laughs) When you think of party, you're like, two bags of chips. (laughs) And some Diet Coke, baby. All I need is Netflix, and I'm I'm happy. That's a me party, like a by myself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So Ivy asks where Deirdre is, and nobody has seen her. So they assume she's with the other winners, and they'll just start the party without her. Time passes, and before they know it, they had finished one can of soda and a whole bag of chips. It was almost to lights out, and they were getting worried about Deirdre. So Wendy pipes up. Let's go look for her. She doesn't even know why she said that, but soon enough, they were heading out into the night to find Deirdre. What's the worst that could happen? Apparently, a lot. They decide to start their search at the lodge. Maybe the winners and counselors were having a party of their own. The night was eerily still and quiet. Nobody was making any noise but the bugs. The girls are about to step onto the path, but they hear a humming in the distance, and they all hold their position. It was another counselor named Billy on his way to somewhere, but not the lodge. Once he's out of sight, they make their way down the path, past tennis courts, where the spotlights are making creepy shadows dance across the pavement. Wendy feels like they could reach out and grab her, which she felt was a pretty strange thought. In the distance, the lights in the dorms were going out one by one, and it had officially turned to 10 p.m. Lights out. Wendy considers turning back, they were so close to the lodge, they had to keep going. The lodge was on top of the hill, and they could see right away that it was as dark as the dorms. Where the hell is Deirdre? Jan jokingly suggests the boys' dorm, and they all laugh. But their laughter is interrupted by the sound of wings. Lots and lots of wings. It was a swarm of bats. Wendy couldn't help it and lets out a scream. 
She swore she could feel the bat's breath on her neck and their claws pulling at her hair. Jan and Ivy get her to calm down. They weren't swooping down on them. They were diving in and out of the pool to get a drink. So once again, we're hating on the bats and I'm sick of it. I don't get this, like, the fear of bats. Like, yeah, it would probably freak me out a little bit because I don't have a lot of experience with bats, but it doesn't inspire fear the way that spiders does. No. If I saw a spider, then I'd scream. If I saw a bat, I'd be like, oh, weird. And then, like, probably not, like, go, like, pet it. But, you know. But uh, you could stand a few feet away from it and let it do its thing. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't don't know. people. Generally not. And they eat mosquitoes. I know. And they're adorable. They are adorable. The girls were really lucky that nobody had heard Wendy's scream, and they make their way down the hill again. They pass another counselor who was heading off somewhere, so they decide to follow. Maybe they were having a secret party? Hiding behind bushes to keep out of sight, they wait for the counselor to pass, and the ground begins to rumble and shake. All three of the girls have frightened looks on their faces. But the earthquake passes, and neither Jan or Ivy can explain them, but they hate it too. Ivy suggests they give up on Deirdre. It was getting too creepy out, and she was sure she was partying somewhere. Jan and Wendy agree, and figure they'll celebrate with her tomorrow. Wendy notices that the bats had disappeared from around the pool, and the crickets had stopped chirping. Everything was silent, except for their shoes squeaking in the wet grass. Before they had a chance to run or hide, they hear footsteps, loud running footsteps, and it was heading toward them. Then a girl's voice calls out, help me, help me. A hot gust of wind blows past them and a little girl comes into view. It was the girl from earlier that day who was hiding behind the tree. She ran straight into Wendy's arms and was sobbing, just saying, help me, help me over and over. They tried to calm her down and tell her it was okay, but nothing was working. She pulls Wendy's arm and the girls follow her to behind some more bushes. She finally says her name is Alicia and she tried to warn them. No one is safe, no one here, and they need to go now. She followed them and saw something terrible. They have to run, they have to hurry, and they have to go now. Wendy keeps trying to get out of her what she actually saw, But Alicia has no time to respond as the shadow of a counselor appears right in front of them. What are you doing out here? Wendy's body goes cold and she sucks in her breath, preparing to answer. Then another voice, kind of nosy, aren't you? They hadn't been seen. They were two feet from the pair of counselors, but somehow they weren't spotted. The counselors walk off together and the girls wait until the coast is clear. Turning back, they look for Alicia, but she had vanished into the night. Oh no, find Alicia. Alicia knows what's up. I know. And they describe, I forgot to say, they describe Alicia as probably being six or seven. So she is a very small child. Who sends their six-year-old to camp? Right. That just pisses me off. Like that is an age... Two to six is an age, like, that you never, ever get back. Like, that's, that is the heart and soul of, like, having little kids. 
And that time mm-hmm. goes so fast. I cannot imagine shipping my young child away from me for months at a time on purpose. To sports camp. <laughs> Fucking sports camp. To hell. <laughs> to hell. <laughs> to hell with Gary Granger and his jelly. <laughs> Alicia vanishes and they sneak back into their dorm through a side door. And they call out for Deirdre, but she had still not returned. They're all a little worried, but the whole night had been a capital W weird. So they just decide to get ready for bed. Ivy wants to win two more king coins tomorrow, and she really wants to get some rest. She opens the dresser to get her pajamas and lets out a shriek. Jan had opened Deirdre's drawer by accident, and it was empty. They checked the closet, and all of her stuff was gone from there, too. Did she move out without telling them? Where is Deirdre? Where is Just Deirdre? wait. You'll, you'll see her again tomorrow night at dinner. <laughs> it was the next morning, and Wendy had made her way to the mess hall for breakfast. She spots Elliot stuffing his face with a stack of waffles, and she makes her way to him. She asks if he had heard from mom and dad, and he stares at her blankly for a moment as if he didn't know who or what she was talking about. Then the light bulb turned on, and he says no and goes back to his breakfast. Even though she wasn't feeling that hungry, she finds a place to sit and have some cereal, but spots Buddy coming her direction. He doesn't hear her call out to him, so she runs after him and immediately asks if he knows where Deirdre is. It doesn't compute at first, and then he says, Oh yeah, she's gone. Wendy doesn't understand. She's gone. She didn't even say goodbye. Buddy just shrugs her off and continues walking toward the counselor's table. She grabs his arm for one more question. Do you know where I can find a little girl named Alicia? He looks puzzled again. So she describes her and he runs his finger down the list on his clipboard. And with a strange, chilling grin, he says, she's gone, too. It's a people-eating cult, like. <laughs> people-eating cult. <laughs> Any minute, there's going to be, like, a fire and some drums. Well, there were already and... drums and a trumpet. That's so. true. You're going to be all. Yeah, I don't, I don't feel good about what's happening <laughs> right now. It's got a real horror movie vibe to it. Like it's right? it's low key. Like it's not as much in your face as some of the other Goosebumps books that we've done. Mm-hmm. It's more of a like a slow burning slow. Mm-hmm. dread. <laughs> and this, everything this, is weird. Yeah, it's this high strangeness, like Twilight Zone. Right? Yeah, that's a good description. So Wendy has to find Jan and Ivy. So she runs off, but they're heading to the volleyball tournament and can't stop to chat. She tries to tell them it's important, but it's as if they don't hear. So she wrangles Elliot before he can head to his one-on-one match, but he's not giving her the time of day either. So she has no choice but to pin him to the wall and tell him that something is going the fuck on here and kids are disappearing. Elliot looks at her like she's insane and is still more concerned with king coins and matches for the day. He doesn't want her to ruin this for him just because she sucks at sports. Of course, Elliot doesn't care. He's just that kid that has everything go his way. But you think he'd be a little worried about mom and dad. So he races off to his match because he's just like, you're a weirdo. Bye. I'm having a great time. 
but thoughts of mom and dad are filling Wendy with dread. Why hadn't they come for them? Did they get into an accident? Are they dead? She tries to shake it off and decides to stick to her original plan of calling home. And she goes to the bank of phones she found before. Hi there, camper, boomed a cheerful voice. Shit, it was a dumb recorded message. Wendy tries every phone and they all have the same stupid recording. They were fake. Was there even a real phone in this place? Very Twilight Zoney here. Where it's like just got this. She's gonna get thrown in the Harmony Hut. <laughs> that that is my version of hell. <laughs> right? Just Annie pouring out of all the windows. Maybe there's a phone in the Harmony Hut. No, Maybe. that would that would defeat the purpose. You need to feel trapped in there. Yeah. So she wanders around aimlessly, looking for a phone and thinking about Alicia when she hears her brother's voice. She had found her way to his one-on-one -on -one basketball game with Jeff, the huge kid from Ping Pong. It didn't take long for her to see that her brother was losing. So Jeff wins the game and tells Elliot that he was his sixth victim, and tonight he'd take his winner's walk. Wendy was pressed up against the fence around the court, and she felt like she was being watched. She spotted Buddy. He was staring at her with a sour expression. He approaches her and tell her, tells her she has to go. And she panics. Go where? Missing like Deirdre? He tells her that she has to find a game to play. King Jelly Jam would not approve of her just standing around. Her mouth is hanging open. She would like to step on that purple little blob. What kind of a name is King Jelly Jam anyway? Buddy heads to the court to give Jeff his coin and has a few words with Elliot. She can't overhear, but they seem to be laughing. He heads back to her, wraps his arm around her shoulder, and tells her she's not much of a self-starter, is she? And is going to give her a schedule for the day. She'll start with tennis and then on to a softball game. I was This part bothered me so bad. I was like, ew, who says that? Who's like, you're not a self-starter. Oh, I've had some managers like that. It's part of being in marketing uh, <laughs> because you're, you're, you're a professional schmoozer. That's a lot of bullshit like that. We used right. to have to go market to car dealerships that did not want us there. Oh. So, so there was a number of times where we were um, very politely shown the door oh, and then man. turned around and very politely sat back down. So... <laughs> That, that's what this dude is. He's like, he's honestly, every time he says something, for some reason in my mind, I keep thinking shark bait. Boo -ha -ha. <laughs> Ew. Softball Ew. and tennis. Yeah, no. it's too much. No. They're going to die. Like, are they it's giving hot. them water? No. There are laws. There's got to be a reason for all this, like, activity. Like, they're, they've yeah. got to be prepping their bodies for something. <laughs> something. So at the tennis court, she meets her opponent, which is a tall girl named Rose. And after a little warm-up, Wendy knew she was no match for her skills, and Rose won in straight sets, earning her her sixth king coin. The counselor at the court directs Wendy to the softball diamonds and tells her to run, don't walk, only the best. 
She was sure tired of everyone rushing her around. Wendy gets put on a team pretty quickly with a girl named Ronnie that she hadn't recognized from breakfast. They decide that she'll pitch for a couple innings and bat ninth. She actually liked to bat, so decided to practice her swing while the game was getting organized. She isn't strong, but chokes up high on the bat so her swing is nice and hard. Swinging as hard as she can, she doesn't notice Buddy until the sound of the bat hitting his ribs makes a loud crack. Buddy's dead. Wendy goes to juvie. They uncover this like child ring that is some kind of a camp. All the kids at camp have been stolen from their parents. No one remembers who they are. And the whole thing is a lifetime miniseries about them reuniting with their families yes. in different ways. I love it. Buddy's megawatt smile had faded and his eyes narrowed. Pointing a finger at Wendy, he says that he likes the way she swings, but maybe try a lighter bat. And he hands her an aluminum one. Wendy is in shock. How is he not rolling on the ground in pain or even winded? What the fuck is going on? Her team loses the match, but she had a little bit of fun and tells Jan and Ivy about what happened with Buddy that night at dinner. They don't think much of it. He probably waited to cry until she was out of sight or something, but she can't stop thinking about the terrible sound his ribs made. The campers go out to attend the night's winner's walk and she spots Jeff and Rose in the line. Rose waves at her and the night ends. But the next morning, Rose and Jeff were gone. Seriously, like they just do a lap? They do a lap and they die. <laughs> is there music or something? Or is it like, like awkward silence walking a lap? There's the trumpets and the drums. And the oh, the torches. trumpets and the drums. Okay. The trumpets, the drums, and the tiki torches. Is it like a single file line? It's, I think that's how they say it. It's like a single file. They're just in a straight line. Okay. Walking. And they turn and face the crowd and everyone goes, only the best. And... Okay. They die. <laughs> I just can't. I don't think you could pay kids to do My kids wouldn't do that. You could make them, like, stupid. Like, there's other things to do. I don't know. Only the best. They want the coins. They might want the coins. Well, like, is there chocolate inside? It doesn't sound like it. It's not like there are metal oh, coins. I'm not interested then. Yeah. I thought I was, I just, I was imagining them as, like, you know, tokens at an arcade like that kind of thing oh maybe it's crack cocaine and they're all little addicts and that's why they want to get the next coin it's just like (laughs) it's like an eight ball in there like wrapped in foil (laughs) i've cracked it i like only the best only the best only the best (laughs) (laughs) so the only thought on wendy's mind the next morning was we have only the best. best. Only the best. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it's much more fun now that I've imagined them as little crack horns. That is really funny. I didn't even think about that. That's great. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> I'm repeating myself. Where am I going? The next morning. Oh, yeah. So the only thought on her mind the next morning was we have to get out of this fucking camp. She needed to find Elliot, and they were going to escape during the winner's walk tonight. Run to the road, 
and hitchhike or walk to the nearest police station. Unfortunately, Buddy caught up with her after lunch and guided her back to the baseball diamond. She can't quit on her team. If they win today, they get all the coins. But Wendy couldn't give two shits about king coins. They lost again and she didn't care at all. But Buddy was watching her. <laughs> She's not yet hooked on that sweet, nope. sweet sugar. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> Sorry. He's going to get all the coins. Okay, go for it. So her team loses again, but she didn't care. But Buddy was watching her, looking disappointed, and asked what her next sport was. She didn't respond and just took off running. That was her next sport, running the fuck away from here. Wendy didn't find Elliot until after dinner, and he had been spending the day winning his next set of king coins. He was up to five and they were dangling around his neck. It was strange, as if he didn't remember right away that he had a sister. But she finally cornered him away from his friends and gets him to admit that he was a little worried about mom and dad, but will not leave until he gets his sixth coin. She knows how stubborn he is and gives in. As soon as his match is over, they were out of there. He is now addicted to crack. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. I need my last coin. I need it. <laughs> Yeah, it's a lot more funny when you think of it in that. It's gotta be only the best. <laughs> only the best! <laughs> only four kids walked in that night's winner's walk, and Wendy had too much on her mind to just sit in the dorm, so she decided to take a walk through the woods, taking the hidden path to the main lodge. Hiding behind some trees, she sits down on the wet grass and stares up at the stars, trying to relax. But then she heard voices and footsteps. They were getting louder and closer. It was a group of counselors making their way up the hill in a hurry. At first, she assumed they were heading to the lodge or some kind of meeting. But instead, they turned down a path that led further into the woods. They were at least 100 counselors in the camp, and they were all headed that way. Waiting for them to finish passing by, she pops up from behind the tree and decides to follow. She has to know where they are going. Screw getting caught. She spots Buddy and Holly and ducks out of sight again. But up ahead, she notices a, a white structure off in the distance. It was so smooth, it looked like ice. Buddy and Holly disappear into a dark opening in the structure. Wendy waits, walks up, and peers inside. Nothing but blackness. I'm sorry, what kind of, what does the structure look like? Is this the Fortress of Solitude? Like, what it... They don't really it give just like that a explanation. square building? It's sort of igloo-ish is the best okay. kind of description it gives. And so it looks kind of, like, that's why they're saying it kind of looks like ice. So it's okay. kind of out there, and it looks kind of like an igloo, and it's just there in the woods. Okay. Like, so we're just going to check it woods. out. Mm -hmm. All right. Right, nothing, cool. nothing weird. So she's staring into the blackness of the entryway that they go into. And she sees three steps that lead down into another entryway. And the only light was coming from a red bulb. She could hear voices from, in, from, from another room. So Wendy guides herself along the cement wall and ever so slightly peers inside the next doorway. This room was lit only by four torches. All of the counselors were sitting in rows, 
facing a small stage. A purple banner with the camp slogan was hung above. After a moment, Buddy steps out onto the stage and faces the crowd of counselors. He tells them that they must refresh. Refresh their minds and refresh their mission. He pulls a gold coin hanging from a chain out of his pocket and begins to swing it slowly back and forth, telling the crowd to clear their minds like he has. Wendy realizes that they are being hypnotized. Buddy goes on. Clear your minds to serve the master. Serve the master in all his glory. We do not think, we do not feel. The counselors chant back to serve the master. And it starts to make sense to Bundy why Buddy wasn't phased by being hit with the bat. They have numbed themselves to all feeling. But who or what is the master? They all begin to chant, only the best, only the best, only the best serve the master. Buddy puts the coin back in his pocket and the room goes eerily quiet. Then Wendy sneezes. Uh-oh. So now they're all hypnotized and that's weird. And we don't Shark know what the Shark bait, <laughs> You were right. She covers her mouth to stifle the sound, but it was too late. So Wendy starts to panic until Buddy says, who is that? They didn't know it was her, but soon enough, she'd be found out and dragged into the light. She takes a few steps back into the dark opening and almost falls down a flight of stairs. Having no choice but to go down or be caught, she makes her way down the dark stairwell. The only sound from her squeaky shoes on the pavement. The further she goes, the air gets hotter and more humid, and a strange smell like sour milk fills her nostrils. Ew. Yes. That's horrible. Then, yeah. My my ten year old son leaves cups of milk everywhere. Oh, no. It is a disgusting smell. Ugh. He'll drink it all down to like an because he's in that boy phase where he's growing at a rapid rate. So he'll drink a full glass of milk except for like the last half inch, and he'll just fucking leave it. And we maybe find it a day or two later. Yeah, it's a horrible smell. Then she hears a low moan coming from somewhere in the depths. She doesn't want to keep going, but she has no choice. Maybe this will lead her back to the woods. But the stairwell led to a long, narrow tunnel with a light at the end. And the smell. It was overtaking her whole body, and she couldn't think. It was probably the worst smell she had ever smelled. It was like sour milk, decaying meat, rotten eggs, and hot garbage rolled into one. I can't even imagine. Like, I'm so sensitive to smells. I can't. Like, Like, I can't try. Like, it'll be bad. She stumbles her way down the hall to the door, opens it, and stares at the most horrible, disgusting thing she has ever seen in her life. Want to get? Um, she's found the meat locker. She's found the human Uh-oh. meat locker. That's a the good processing guess. area. <laughs> no, it is not a meat locker. Though that would have been really cool. But no. In the room were dozens of kids 
holding mops, buckets, brooms, and hoses. They were washing what looked like a Macy's Day parade float, but even bigger. It was huge and purple. It wasn't a balloon. It was King Jelly Jam, and he was alive. <gasps> That's a twist. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's Jabba the Hutt. Yes. Who smells that? <laughs> so King Jelly Jam was not a cute little mascot. He was a gelatinous blob of purple slime as big or bigger than a house. And as the kids washed and sprayed him, his body rippled and he moaned and groaned. His two, <laughs> his two enormous yellow watery eyes rolled around in his head and he smacked his bulbous lips and his belly rippled like the ocean. Hunks of white goo were hanging from his nose and the stench just continued to roll off of him. Wendy was about to faint from the smell. The kids continued to wash and spray him down as something rained down on them and hit the floor with a crack. Snails. King Jelly Jam was sweating out snails. Ew. Yes. Wendy doesn't understand what is happening here. Then she spots Alicia and Jeff and tries to call out to them, but no sound can come out. Then someone comes towards her. It was Deirdre, and she was soaked from head to toe, looking distraught. Deirdre tells her to get away and to run, but Wendy needs to know what is happening. Only the best, says Deirdre. Only the best get to be King Jelly Jam's slaves. These are all of the King Coin winners, and they have to keep washing him because he needs to stay wet, and he can't stand his own smell. If they stop or take a break, he eats them. He already ate three kids today. What's the character from Spirited Away? Yes, I can't think of it, but yes, that is very similar. He's a big blob that eats mm -hmm. everything and everybody. Uh, I can't remember his name now, the name of it. But I know yeah, exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. So Deirdre squeezes her arm and tells her to please run and get help. Then King Jelly Jam roars and it shakes the walls. They had been spotted. He was roaring at the ceiling, his watery eyes rolling around. They weren't seen. He was just roaring to keep the others frightened. Deirdre asks her one more time to get help, and she goes back to her place at the king's side. Wendy turns to leave, her thoughts swimming and the smell still in her nose. Would she ever be able to breathe freely again? Running down the hall into the darkness, visions of the disgusting King Jelly Jam filling her mind, she feels sick as she reaches the top of the stairs. She has to help those kids and the whole camp escape. But how can she? Firstly, she knows she can't spend the night in the closet and she makes her way back to the room with the stage. Luckily, it was empty. The counselors must be out looking for her. She finally reaches the door she came in from 
and is back in the forest. Sure enough, beams of light were shining through the trees, the flashlights from the counselors. Wendy doesn't think she can make it back to the dorm without being seen. And if she warns them, would they even believe her? Eventually, she finds a clump of tall hedges that can hide her from all sides and crawls inside, seeking, seeking shelter. Taking deep breaths of the sweet summer air, she closes her eyes and she has to think. So that was the big twist. Yeah, that went in a direction I was not expecting. Mm -hmm. I can't help but think if they all stop washing him at once, what's Uh he gonna do? Like if, if everybody stops, I mean, these are fairly competitive, in shape kids. So if everybody stops and bolts it, like, yeah, a couple of kids might get eaten, but most of them will get away. Yeah, I mean, he already ate some kids, so. <laughs> it's not I guess. Like Ugh. Blech. It's so gross. Grody. Yeah. Wendy is woken up by the sound of yelling and cheering. She must have fallen asleep and her whole body ached. The sound was coming from the running track. It was the boys having their race. And in the lead was Elliot. She tries to scream, but her throat is too dry. She has to stop him from winning that coin and becoming the king's next slave. She puts her fingers to her mouth to blow their whistle, but her mouth is just too dry and it's not working. The only way to stop him was to beat him. Mustering every ounce of strength, Wendy starts running at full speed toward the track. Her heart pounding, chest heaving, She catches up to Elliot and tackles him to the ground. He screams, Wendy, you jerk, as three counselors start to close in. She tries to tell him there is no time, they have to go. And she pulls him up and over the hill and back to the stairwell that leads to the igloo. She tells Elliot to get ready for a really bad smell. And soon enough, they're back in the room with the slaves and King Jelly Jam. Elliot cannot believe what he is seeing or smelling. Then Wendy cups her hands around her mouth like a megaphone and screams, everybody hit the ground. The monster's eyes grew wide in surprise and Wendy could see two forked pink tongues swirling around inside his mouth. Some of the kids followed her directions, others stood in shock. She screams again, stop washing him. Everybody hit the ground and lay flat. He let out, he lets out another furious roar and reaches a gross purple arm out to grab one of the kids. He went for Alicia, but as long as she stayed flat, his fat blobby fingers were too slippery to pick them up. He tries again and again in vain, all the while the smell getting so strong it starts to sting Wendy's eyes. King Jelly Jam grabbed for a hose, but couldn't get a grip, and he reaches his hand into a bucket, trying to splash water on himself. The stench was so strong, Wendy could taste it, and it felt like it was getting into her skin. But she knew her plan had to work. He raised a swollen finger and pointed it directly at Wendy, and he leaned over, reached out, and before she could think, his slimy hand was wrapping around her body. His grip tightened as he guided Wendy toward his gaping mouth and darting tongues. The smell was everywhere, overwhelming everything. Then she sees his tongues droop out of his lip and she slips out of his grip. He begins to fall to the floor with a loud splat. 
the kids watching him had to dodge out of the way before being smothered in his jelly. Her plan had worked. He had suffocated in his own stench once they stopped washing. They were all free. That Told is so, you. Like, you smell so bad, you die. <laughs> die of, like, your own stink. I can't, I can't even think about it too long. Yeah, that Alicia. was really the only way to go because they don't, like, in the, the, the 1988 blob, like, they froze him. Right. They had a bunch of, like, nitroglycerin. Is it nitroglycerin that creates? I think so. It's been too long. Oh, no, maybe not nitroglycerin. I feel like that's an explosive material. I I want the stuff that freezes. Yeah. What is it called? No. Anywho, I'm an idiot, and that's that's what I was thinking. Like, if you don't have anything to freeze them with, you're gonna just stop washing. Yeah. So they were all finally free. Alicia ran over and gave her a hug, and they all made their way out of the room and back into the night air. A long line of counselors were waiting for them and not to welcome them back. Buddy stepped forward and yelled, don't let them get away. The line of counselors stepped forward in unison, their expressions never changing and acting like robots in a trance. A shrill whistle broke the spell and a voice from the distance yelled for them to stop. Several police officers were running toward them up the hill and all of the counselors start to appear dazed and confused. She hears Holly ask, where are we? All of the campers cheered at the sight of the police, and Wendy asked how they found them. It was the smell. It had floated into town, and they followed it here. They had no idea where there were problems with the camp, and they will get everyone back to their parents. Wendy finds Buddy and asks if he was feeling any better but all he can say was, only the best. Wendy and Elliot were so thrilled to be home and to see their parents. They explained that they were so worried, and when they called the camp, the counselor who answered said they had no idea who they were. The police were searching high and low. And Dad suggests that they deserve to go to a real summer camp next summer after their ordeal, but Wendy and Elliot viciously declined. Two weeks pass and everything is back to normal until they have a surprise visitor at their door. It was Buddy, and Wendy couldn't believe her eyes. She just stared at him with her mouth open. He apologized for what happened at camp and asked if Elliot is home. Before she can respond, he appears at her side and Buddy hands him a gold coin. It was his sixth king coin, which he would have gotten for winning the track race. Elliot goes to reach for it, but he stops in midair. He was thinking what she was thinking, but he finally grabbed it. They waved goodbye to Buddy and watch him drive away. Wendy had a bad feeling about him taking it, and Elliot reminds her that the purple blob is dead. But a few moments later, they both smelled a horrible smell at the exact same time. He asks Wendy, what is that? And she shakingly replies that she has no idea. Then mom was behind them laughing. What's the matter? I have a pot of Brussels sprouts boiling on the stove. The end. Oh man, I thought we were going to get some backstory on Buddy. I know. 
Nope. Like, what is his connection? I thought maybe they were, like, pod people and, like, Buddy had been, like, injected in some way. No, he was just mega hypnotized, too. He was, like, the uh, lead hypnotized one. So disgusting. So that was the horror at Camp Jelly Jam. Disgusting blob. <laughs> I think I dated that guy. <laughs> We've all dated a King Jelly Jam. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, that uh, that took a turn. <laughs> I but you know me, like I want origins. Like, is he is he yeah. an alien? Is the igloo a spaceship? Maybe. Like what? <laughs> Here we are, left to wonder. I know you could just make up your own story. What I did think was that he was left out of the movies, which is disappointing because he is sounds really like he could have been a really cool. Yeah, but mm-hmm. but I would still want him to be like less disgusting and more of just a general blob. Blob. But I think yeah. that's he did a blob mm-hmm. book, right? So there, I, I guess that would be some cro- crossover. Yeah, yeah. He isn't it the blob. blob that ate everything? Oh yes, the blob that ate everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's the best friend of King Jelly Jam. <laughs> yeah, or his cousin, mm-hmm. or his cousin. Yes, that's the backstory. He is the cousin of Kingdom. Cousins. We've cracked it. We've cracked it. We've got yes. it. That was a well, weird I hope, one. I hope you enjoyed it. I did. It, it's definitely a slow burn and yeah. um, one of the odder ones, but I kind of liked that part of it. I liked the high strangeness. Mm-hmm. I like that things just got weirder. 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 <laughs> but seriously, sports. Sports. Mm. like to watch one don't want to participate <laughs> but like sports all day every day no that's no. just horrible only the best only the best <laughs> every day every day when we start feeling crappy and like wanting to go, only the best <laughs> that's gonna be the kids new homeschool slogan print out a banner right? Only the best. <laughs> Only the best. And I'll start yelling it at them and they'll look at me like I'm an idiot. <laughs> Only the best. Can... Only the best. <laughs> do we really have to do our 20 minutes of reading? Only the best. <laughs> no, I enjoyed it. Slow burn, high strangeness, very Twilight Zony. Definitely did not have that one pegged. And you know what? That's that's really proof of, of how how good he is because the number of books that he's written you'd think by now there'd be a formula and we'd be able to figure it out but every time we think we're gonna go in one direction mm-hmm. we go in a totally different direction <laughs> so at least he keeps us guessing yeah it's like yeah they are formulaic to a point but then they always deviate into something else so yeah we derail big time mm-hmm. big time well, cool. Well, I liked that a lot. And I can't remember. I can't remember if we've talked about this yet, but we have a Twitter. Danielle and I are of a different generation. So Twitter <laughs> is kind of secondary um, to us, but we're learning and we're getting good and we're connecting with some cool people on there and, and some really cool podcasts. Like there's a ton of podcasts that, that like reach out and be like hey you know I'll support you and you support me and 
all that good stuff. So if you want to want to connect with us on Twitter, if you want to follow us on Twitter, we're at Snacks with Stein. I've got it up on my computer pretty much all day. So if you want a quick response from us, that's a real good way to do it. You can add us or tweet. Uh, I guess tweet. I guess it's at us, right? Like yes, it's, you don't you don't tweet at us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so old. You can tweet at us. That's not a thing. Um, so yeah, we're at Snacks with Stein. You can find us there if you want to hang out some more. If it's not enough, if the episodes are not enough for you. So until next time, we are out. Like TikTok, maybe. <laughs> Aww.